I pulled up the document we shared. Yes. So I have that. Get in front into of it. That was a good Absalom, idea. Absalom, Absalom. Um, yeah, let's do the shared document idea going forward. I think that's smart. Yeah. Also kind of, uh, tips, tips, tips my hand as far as like what I find interesting about the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to jump in as like the first thing, uh, the, at the bottom of the page. Um, why? Cause we were talking when I like had to reschedule, uh, and you said that it was like a hard read. Yeah. It's taking a while. Um, why? Why was it a hard read? I have a couple of theories, but I don't want to. Well, now, are you coming okay. from this? Are you coming from an angle saying it's not a difficult read for you, or are you just? Uh, are you trying to guess what well, I'm saying? I had read it in college, so mm-hmm. uh, it, well, I mean, I, it wasn't that difficult now. Um, I, I feel like interesting. Trying to remember when I was, you know, eighteen, <laughs> reading it the first time. Um, All right, look, I think most people would suggest after reading it that it was a difficult read because of the way it's written. It's, it's definitely, like, intricate. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's exhausting, really. And there's that arch rhetoric of uh, Jason Thompson and uh, Rosa Coldfield, a very, you know, very particular ways of speaking. Yeah. I think it, I think it was exhausting to read because of the different perspectives, the fact that a lot of it was memory mm-hmm. and a lot of it was guessing. And so yeah. the way that he wrote it obviously was um, a brilliant uh, trajectory from confusing to becoming like more clear at, by the end. But, uh, or at least plausible, because, I mean, we don't. Yeah. We don't know. But the first half of the book, I mean, come on, it's to me it's like it's really difficult to keep your mind engaged that hard on something, I think. Um sure. that's that ongoing um and the, the the sentences are so long, everything comes back in a way <laughs> that that's a little bit different than the way you you greeted it previously, so that gets confusing and it's like you start to question which there were is, definitely a couple times I had to like go back and try to f- remember what the subject of a sentence was. Yeah. But after like several parentheses or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, that's definitely true. So it did. It felt like you were remembering or listening to somebody remember something, and you know, obviously, that comes with uh, having things being confusing, having things being contradictory, and uh, long-winded and. Yeah, yeah, like trying to find your your words, and a lot of that, I think, especially with Miss Rosa, it was like trying to find what she was trying to say within herself, and she was just saying it instead of thinking before she spoke. Um, so I think I think it was difficult for sure, and especially because if you're not initiated, I guess, with the other Faulkner novels that uh, I assume, yeah, there's a are similar. There's uh difficulty or there's there's a lot missing as far as quentin's relationship to the story if you haven't read sound and the fury um because i mean quentin has this uh association with 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 henry and and quentin there's one part of the beginning where he talks about like his his, or not he the narrator like um 
Clinton freezes up on the part, the idea of like the scene of the confrontation between Henry and Judith right after uh, he at, right after Henry had killed Charles Ball that day. Um, and you might think, well, a lot of stuff has happened. Wouldn't you freeze up on the murder or something? You know, uh, if you don't know Quentin and his own relationship to his sister and uh, questions of, say, uh, incest and of uh, defending your sister's uh, sexual honor and all of that. Um, so I think you would just be missing. Yeah, if you haven't read Sound and the Fury, I think you're just missing stuff. Because, like, yeah. The, the the resonance of, of, of Quentin's shock and horror would just be would just be like weird. Unplaceable. Yeah, they had very I was gonna talk about this, the style of writing and uh, what you thought about it, but very melodramatic yeah. reactions, very melodramatic yeah. tellings of things, but somehow it works where you know with a lesser writer there's, it wouldn't work at all. It would be ridiculous, you know? There's definitely a sense of melodrama. I definitely thought of that uh, plenty of times reading. Um, yeah, I, 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 he wavers between like the melodramatic and the actual like tragic a lot. In this book, and I mean that's like a, 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 a typical thing with like as I lay dying, too. There, it's even it's more explicitly between like the tragic and the comic, even. Um, yeah, there's not very much comedy. Well, how does uh, he how does he get away with being melodramatic and writing in a way, especially when people people are talking in a way that uh, people do not talk? That was what's so fascinating yeah. to me. It's like. I thought of Faulkner before. I, I mean, I'm not well read in Faulkner, but I would have thought of him as someone who wrote how people talk. And a lot of the times, well, yeah, I, no. I should say every once in a while he does do that. You know. Yeah, I guess the second half with Shreve and Quentin, that's more. And Wash Jones, he does really well. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, although Wash Jones doesn't really say that many. No, no, no. Things. But the dialogue with it's him just, is yeah, realistic. Girl, they, get us yet or whatever he says yeah yeah yeah. but it's like how does he get away with being so uh in in like unnatural in how he writes it's bizarre but he does you know? i mean i would say uh it's it's unrealistic there's a certain kind of naturalism to it that i think would also apply to not to put faulkner in company he can't sustain himself in uh but it, there's something something shakespearean about that or shakespeare does that too where um some scottish asshole nobleman wouldn't sound like Macbeth, mm -hmm. you know, some, some, just like some soldier wouldn't sound like Othello, some asshole 19 year old Danish kid would not sound like Hamlet. Um, True. And, and I mean, those are just like to the top line characters. <laughs> They're plenty of, you know, you know, Barbus is like one of the great poets of Western literature. Uh, and he's just like some functionary Roman like messenger, you know. Um, you know Barbus, who says the she floats the 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 the, the famous um, infinite variety uh, speech about about Cleopatra, um, where he, he narrates her coming in on that the golden throne, the golden I forget what you call it, um, being carried in. Um, yeah. So that's something that I think with the characters themselves are unlikely. Yeah. And so within, you know, Jason Compson himself, uh, the, the Mr. Compson of the book, Father, 
of the book. Um, you know, he's he's an un- unlikely mm-hmm. uh, second generation or first generation post Civil War guy, but you know, uh, once you're acquainted with Jason Compton, everything else about the way he talks and those, yeah, <laughs> those, those that arch rhetoric of his. Uh, kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's, there's like an internal naturalness to it. So um, you, what did you call it then? Besides unnatural, what did you call it? Well, I would say it's unreal. It's unrealistic. Like unrealistic. unrealistic. A character, yeah. like just some guy, some lawyer in the South, <laughs> some like semi-prominent lawyer in Jefferson, Mississippi, would not be uh, who went to the University of the South or whatever. Uh, would not, you know, be likely to be asking for scenes to be rewritten by Wilde, like he says at one point, or to be draw, drawn like uh, Aubrey Beardsley, who's a uh, a decadent artist from the 1890s, uh, who was in the in the aesthetic circle of of, of Oscar Wilde in London. You know, uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect. Just some some semi-prominent lawyer to be, uh, yeah, to be dropping references to decadent poets and painters. Um, but you would, Jason Jason Compton, you would expect him to do that. Um. Yeah, that's a good distinction. I say, I'd say, I just didn't expect it going in that it would be yeah. so unrealistic. I thought it would sound like the people in the South and how they talk. It would be yeah, very, there's like, no proletarian poetry to yeah to Faulkner. And I mean, yeah, he he also does choose characters who are generally more. I mean, yeah, like Rosa Caulfield, Coldfield. Uh, I mean, at least she would be expected to be like kind of educated, I guess. Now, what is yeah, her deal? Yeah, they. they... <laughs> <laughs> What is going on there? <laughs> um, what do you? I mean, you talk about melodramatic. My God in heaven! Yeah. You would think that, like, I, I mean, it was just I, I think I, a hatchet in the umbrella is like, uh, yeah, that is from like farce or certainly from melodrama. Definitely not from you know estimable, <laughs> venerable. Uh, less self-confident dramatist than Faulkner would feel goofy doing that. <laughs> or, you know, a lot of what Rosa called. But that, that is a moment where I'm like, yeah, uh, this is, um, in other hands, would be goofy. It's kind of goofy in his hands. <laughs> I think there's supposed to be like an outlandishness, the kind right. of, uh, yeah, mythical, almost outlandish outlandishness. To a lot of this, um, the uh, what I thought of too was the difficulty of their lives. I think fed into um, something about what they became, you know, um, mm. which is is separate from some other characters that you could write about. I guess where it's like maybe that made them goofy or or so proud about their independence that they became kind of strange people by the end. Um, I, I don't know. Some some of the stuff. That yeah, they, I wonder that how much do, of that is 
and think about it. it the Southern heritage. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what Faulkner would say to that because I, I I remember I forget who, who who was saying this, but like um about uh Southern like or not Southern South American uh fabulous. Uh, I think I think Jose Saramango. Uh, somebody asked him about like his you know magical realism or whatever um, his magical fiction, and he was like, "That's just like." that just seems normal to me. Uh, that just like, seems like an extension of life in South America. Yeah. In South America. Um, I wonder, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if we could ask Faulkner what he would say, if he would give a similar answer or a different answer or would, uh, equivocate however he would. Um, because he, he always had like a tongue in cheek kind of relationship to, or he would, would, this tongue in cheek whenever he talked about his, his, his books. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder how he would respond to that. If, if that, that is like some kind of, you know, uh, closer, ex- like, like it's obviously some kind of inflation of his experience, but like, you know, his experience closer to the mythology of the, the, the civil war and the immediate, like pre civil war South, um, it might, 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 might have been less of a, of a, of a imaginative inflation for him. And it is for us. Mm-hmm. It certainly would have been less, but I, I wonder how much less. Um, I imagine the basis for the characters were in the way that, I mean, this is what yeah. I imagine that he was brought up listening to stories about it. So I imagine that yeah. the basis were in, you know, the 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 stories being told about the pre Civil War stuff when he was a kid. I I watched yeah. this um this video of it was weird because it was like a video uh I guess that they would have played like as a movie short or something before a movie I don't know and okay. it was him in his hometown in Israel uh when he won the I guess the Nobel Prize or the Pulitzer I can't remember Yeah 1948 Yeah it was oh, a, he won a, won a couple Pulitzers Yeah So uh, whichever whatever award I can't remember right now but and they interviewed his friends, and they, like, walked oh, around with him, and he came off to me, and I don't know much about him, so God knows I'm not passing uh, an ultimate judgment or anything, but he came off as false uh, humble to me in the way that he spoke mm. about stuff, like you were saying about tongue-in-cheek about his work. I feel like he was one of those... Um, that might be the, the mirror of being tongue-in-cheek bravado. Well, you know, there's that quote that they quote on the back of his books, read, 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 read everything... Um, and there's quotes about him saying a writer shouldn't ask, uh, advice about how to write. Um, you know how to write if you're a good writer and, uh, an artist is, is entirely yeah. sure about what he's doing, you know? So, um, I think he knew that he was a really great writer and I don't, I don't know. It was odd. It was odd watching him talk about stuff. It was just like. It wasn't what I anticipated his voice to sound like. It wasn't what I anticipated his tone to be like. So anyway, um, was it like higher? Or well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's like it's almost like he was uh, undercover as some sort of weird southern. Uh, <laughs> like I don't know what to, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but he was like he was like pretending to be someone he wasn't in a way, and then his writings was like really who he was and what he really felt about the South. Um, 
in a way. Does that make any sense, or am I crazy? Yeah, I mean that makes. I mean, it was probably like a PR reel. So. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-fashioning. No, that's fair. It's not surprising. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a bad, uh, a bad thing to relate to. But um, yeah, there's a very, very strong sense of almost like revenge or something about writing about the South in his in this book. Almost, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. it's very um, intense. But then his personality Brooks is very Brooks. affable and tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, Cleanse Brooks compared that a little bit to, uh, well, specifically when you're talking about Compson or Quentin Compson, but it kind of expands out to, to Faulkner himself, uh, compares it to James Joyce writing about Ireland. Oh, yeah, that's a good. Uh, James Joyce writing about Ulysses or, or writing, writing about um, Dublin. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there's, there's, the question at the end, Shreve asked, do you hate the South or why do you hate the South? Right. Um, and, 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 you know, this, a similar question could be asked to Stephen Daedalus, why do you hate Dublin? And it, we have a similar answer of like, uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I both hate it and uh, I'm obsessed with it, you know, uh, have some kind of love for it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I one, one, one wants to avoid, yeah, you want to avoid, like, you know, uh, relating Faulkner exactly to his characters, but, I mean, Faulkner doesn't write about, ever write about anywhere else, so he has, like, a similar obsession with Mississippi. As, yeah. as Joyce did with, with Dublin. Yeah, certainly a strange monument to something. The, his his novels, it seems yeah. like very strange. It's fascinating, but uh, ambivalent is very. It's just an intense, ambivalent, mm-hmm. like revengeful yeah. type. Uh, but also celebration and yeah, immortalization. Um, you want to talk about our resonant words here? Yeah, so one that you caught up on and that uh, kind of floats between characters is effluvium. It's very odd, um, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> which you would expect from the from the balance of like uh, Jason Compson. That's very much a uh, Jason Compson style word. I've never uh, heard the damn word. Com- I've never heard anyone oh, really? say. It. Well, no, I knew what the word. I knew what it meant. Oh. I, I guess, but I've never heard anyone say it out loud in a conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if I've heard it ever. Yeah. It would be kind of weird. Very weird. Yeah, so I guess that, that that's kind of like a uh, a feeling of... I'm gonna, now I'm going to grope for words. A feeling of, of, of the mythological type like thing we were just discussing where... Um, mm-hmm. t- t- what word am I looking for? It's like mist in the air kind of feeling I get when he talks about effluvium coming out of anything. Um, mm. uh, what, what what imagery do you what brings? What does it bring to your mind? Well, l'effluve in French is river, mm-hmm. so effluvium, especially for you know, there's a lot uh, that literally happens um, on the the river, the Mississippi River, and even there's. Uh, I remember, I, I, I'm reminded of, there's like a weird connection between 
Clinton and Shreve. Do you remember where he's talking about, like, even though Shreve is a Canadian, which is important, which is, like, very, like, very good casting, that he would be a Canadian, um, the Mississippi still goes up there. So, like, there's some connection between Quentin and Shreve that, like, even though Shreve hadn't been on the Mississippi River itself. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, no. I think I think in chapter, I would guess section six, right when they're like, um, I didn't put it down because I, I I didn't think of it as that that significant. But in the, in the case of talking about the river and, and effluvium and kind of just this 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 uh, amassing, this accumulation, this mm. kind of overflowing, over 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 brimming uh, accumulation of things um, that that. that the word effluvium brings to mind, um, you know, people who lived near the Mississippi when that was like an actual mode of transportation, even like T.S. Eliot, who was a, from St. Louis, um, you know, he moved far away from it, but it still like comes up in his poetry, all of which, all of the major poetry of which he wrote in London. Um, but yeah, the, the imagery of the Mississippi River itself uh, still comes up in his in his mind, um, even when there are other rivers that that he could be imagining. Um, so yeah, uh, conne- are you talking I, about I, I, the I, connection between the two, and so how everything's connected, kind of? Yeah. What was that? Um, what was that quote? And, yeah, just that there's kind of like an amassing, a kind of um, yeah, it's kind of like an over accumulation that comes with the word effluvium to me. What was that quote Not about? Just like a well-regulated river or something. There was a quote in the book about how... God, I'm not going to get it. I thought you had it on this page, actually. But it was about how maybe everything came out of uh, the same person and we're all connected. Um, so effluvium is kind of like... You're thinking of it as flowing out. It, it gives you the imagery of water. Um yeah. Like well, I think that's the etymology stuff. going back yeah. to Latin, which I don't know. <laughs> but doesn't it mean things um, coming out of would... something, flowing out of something? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things are going on. A lot of things are rushing towards a conclusion or towards a situation. He uses that word a but lot. But the book, interestingly, doesn't like the rising tension is kind of uh, uh, interesting in the in, in the book how it's not, you know, like a, a linear story at all. Um, mm-hmm. There's a rising tension of, like, discovery. There's, you know, mm-hmm. the genesis of secrecy. Uh, there's narrative secrecy um, where, yeah, we're kind of like these, these pitched moments that we get to, and then it's like, okay, let's explain back up to who the fuck is, or what the fuck is in the house? What are you talking about? Uh, other than Clyde and, and Jim Bond, who's, who else is there? And then the rest of the book is like explaining, getting us back to who, who would be, who would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that that, that it, it's, yeah, the, the, I don't know, to continue the metaphor, like, like sharp bends in the river falls or something. Um, yeah, throughout. And they read. We said very weird choices, <laughs> very strong weird choices from a writer. 
And they retell the same thing, like, I would say 10 times. Yeah. I mean... That was one of my guesses, that that would be why you were... You found it uh, difficult to read, just... Well, yeah, because of the over changes... Over again, the same thing. Okay, I see. Well, but but they 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 change details about the things, you know, and so you kind of yeah. feel like a crazy person who misremembered something yeah. almost. Um, it's especially like about like him. A piece of music or something. Yeah, it feels like where you get like a basic melody and the the overture, and then you get further along, and it you know gets more complex and changes and mm-hmm. adds stuff to it. Yeah, it's it's weird because or, it's kind of like. It's like pastiches of things that you're reading that I, it really does feel like a memory because of the way he wrote it. Yeah. And it's like you're sitting in your house remembering the story and that, over and over. That has so much to do with his sense of history and the construction of history and honestly a little bit to do with like the triteness at the, at the core of Faulkner. I put that on, 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 the, on the sheet and I, 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 I there's, there's, uh, I mean, like, like his idea of history as, you know, um, this uncertain thing that is, yeah, just kind of handed down and maybe we have to, like, do detective work and suss it out. Uh, it's less profound <laughs> than you would hope um, for that to be, like, a main dominant theme of the work. Um, it's like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's how... Take a history class. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but um, do, 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 you, do you get what I'm saying about like him being kind of at his core, those like deeper ideas that are, I mean, he's, he's like a, like an expert tech t- technician and um, hmm. yeah, there, there are like, you know, steps of genius in, in his writing. Um, but like there's, there's kind of, like, yeah, history is reconstructed. It's just stories. Kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nobody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Somebody took uh, an intermediate level history class in college. It certainly feels... There are a couple places where Faulkner feels kind of trite like that. Um, this this is one of those themes we've had discussing uh, ever since we started talking like this. It feels like you're supposed to really believe that uh, Faulkner, when you start reading Faulkner, or this book yeah. anyway, is some deep, very in- intensely uh, hard to understand. <laughs> not. You know? Yeah. Well, the way he writes feels like, like I told you this, he makes me feel stupid because I just, I'm like, yeah. what is going on? There's so much going on at once that's coming together somehow. I'm like, it has to make sense. You know, it's got to piece together somehow. So I guess you're right in terms of the overall point, if that is the overall point. It's kind of like disguised very well, like you said, as a technician in a way. So to me, the depth of it is the contemplation of the individual people. Yeah, the characters themselves are constructed much more interestingly the you know yeah the the on both levels of yeah characters and 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 story and like sentence by sentence um but yeah then you get to like uh kind of his his core unconscious ideas or his core ideas uh they can be like that what's that quote the uh the one from his speech the nobel prize winning speech or not nobel prize winning speech but when he, the Nobel Prize award speech, where he's like, humanity will thrive, uh, 
Let me look it up. Yeah, it was a short speech. I was reading about it. Um, I can't recall the main. Something, I believe thrust. that man will not merely endure; he will prevail. He is immortal, not because he alone among creatures has an inexhaustible. Okay, I'm clicking through. Sounds nice, but it's kind of <laughs> kind of trite. Okay, I believe that man will not merely endure; he will prevail. He is immortal, not because. He is alone. Uh, he alone among creatures has an inexhaustible voice because he has a soul, a spirit capable of compassion and sacrifice and endurance. The poets, the writers, beauty. They should write about these things. It is his privilege to help a man endure by lifting his heart, by reminding him of the courage and honor and hope and pride and compassion and pity and sacrifice which have been the glory of his past. The poet's voice need not merely be the record of man. It can be one of the props, the pillars to help him endure and prevail. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is, uh, not super impressive as far as, like, you know, profounder wisdom. Well, now, is your objection, um, is your objection that he's intending to be deep? Because you obviously, you don't care, uh, the no, premise. No, I, I mean, if, if, it, it's just that, like, at his, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess for one thing, insofar as he's intending to be deep, that's not very deep. Yeah, but yeah, um, I, I I guess it's not like a, a, I, I mean it's a mark against Faulkner just as far as um, once he's like kind of burrowed into his work, there's what you get at at the end are kind of like um, yeah, kind of trite <laughs> trite things. It's like this this very impressive filigree around. Mm-hmm. Um, not very profound ideas, which is, I, 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 Faulkner is one of my, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about Faulkner because he's, he's a writer I appreciate a lot and study a lot. Um, and like part of the reason we delayed is so I could study more, uh, to read Cleantha Brooks. I have an incredible fondness for As They Lay Dying, but I don't think that's like a, you know, terribly profound book either. Um, but what's the uh, problem with not yes. being profound? Is it because you feel like he tra- he he wraps it up like he is profound, but he's not? I'm I'm not like mad at him. I'm just saying <laughs> he's not profound. It's well, like, calling someone trite uh, isn't isn't a compliment. No, it's not. Um, so and, why do and, and why do you have to be profound and and write stories though? Like I don't get the connection. Well, because I mean, if you're more profound, they would be you know better. There'd be like. Uh, you you burrow down into the work and it's you know something new something mm. something surprising some surprising truth at the end. I see. Not and this is this is something from you're ranking him. Lying. You're ranking him in the Olympians of writers basically, and you're saying right. I'm compared saying he's to Joyce a lower or God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, or something. Uh, yeah, in that in the in the pantheon, but I mean accepting that he's already in the pantheon and then okay let's get on with yeah talking about him from there gotcha uh yeah um actually this 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 came to mind this this, yeah the kind of to me unavoidable triteness of of faulkner came to mind um and it actually has a lot to do with that quote that we were just talking about um by the way which which copy do you have you have the vintage the like gold and black no, I have. Well, it says it says Vintage International. Yes, gold and black. Okay, with the feet at the 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 stone feet, or the statue feet as the cover. No, I have. 
mansion with like okay. a tree dying on top of it. Okay, so our our we might not match, but in the penultimate chapter, for me, setting at the very end of page two seventy eight, okay, where it says, "Not God, evidently we have done without Him for four years. Only He just didn't think to notify us, and not only not shoes and clothing." but not even any need for them. And not only no land nor any way to make food, but no need for the food since we have learned to live without that too. And so if you don't have God and you don't have, and you don't need food and clothes and shelter, there isn't anything for honor and pride to climb on and hold to and flourish. If, and if you haven't got honor and pride, then nothing matters. Only there is something in you that doesn't care about honor and pride yet that lives, that even walks backwards for a whole year just to live, but probably even when this is over, and there is not even defeat left, we'll still continue to sit still in the sun and die, but we'll be out in the woods moving and seeking where just will and endurance did not move it, grubbing for roots and stuff and such. Sorry. The old mindless, sentient, undreaming meat that doesn't even know any difference between despair and victory. And then that quote, that uh, speech of Charles Bull gets reflected, I think, a couple pages later when Henry's talking to his father. Um, and yeah, almost, almost like quoting Charles Baum there, um, that kind of like, uh, yeah, at the end, that, that, that kind of resiliency that isn't really like a kind of strength as I put it on the, on the Google doc, um, it's just like the ability to endure. Um, yeah, that has, I mean, that, yeah, that, 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 that's, I mean, it's hard not to read that in, in relation to that quote from Faulkner from the. 1949 Nobel Prize winning speech or Nobel Prize victory speech or whatever. Um, yeah, it's also hard to like credit that with. But yeah, that 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 is people are like that. <laughs> it's hard for me not to credit or it's hard for me to credit that with like any, uh, you know, incredible wisdom to it. Yeah. But then, so if we go back to Joyce real quick to compare in a way, why why do you think that the uh, quotidian type stuff that he wrote about is so celebrated? If if you're looking, I, I guess what I don't like about this Faulkner quote is it's kind of like the whole book where you get to the middle and you're like, you could have said that in a paragraph. You know, in a, in a way, <laughs> you you could have written that down very simply, but it's, it, it comes off. All you need to say, people it, abide. Yeah, it comes off as very flowery and like it's hard to understand because it's so long. And then, yeah, I I I get what you're saying there, but it's the contrivance is what is the point of interest, though. Um, you expect the end game the, to yeah, be the, more than something that, well, as saying, simple as that. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, I, I'm not trying to overcompliment your, your at point. At his core, just... he isn't. He isn't any. He isn't terribly profound. Yeah, but it's also not profound to write Pretty about uh, shitting, right? But but that's something that we like <laughs> about Joyce. So it's not necessarily bad. Is all I'm saying that he's not profound. I guess is my point. Um, but I, I get. I, mean, I, think, I get I what you're making. It is like a. I get it, it, it is it is a, a criticism uh, of mine. Um, yeah, you would like to 
You would like your time spent to have more come out of your time spent with Faulkner. I guess, yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's a way to put it. Okay, anyway, all right. He's right. That's just all, all that is. Well, it's stop saying trite, that. So. Think of another word. That just sounds like you're a throwaway line. Where I don't. It's trite to me is is way worse than Faulkner. Um, trite to me is like a slogan in a political campaign. I mean, or do you want me to reread the freaking speech? It's not. <laughs> people, people continue to fight on. Yeah. And endure. But this guy. Uh, He's a guy. He lived through the Civil War, right? So, no, he didn't. Who? Who's? Whatever. D- 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 oh, they mean the guy Charles Ball? Yeah, the context. Yeah. Oh. I mean, let yeah. it, let him live, Nash. Let him live. I'm just <laughs> kidding. All right. Now I, I want mean, to talk about. Bad. I'm not saying that's bad writing in the context of the story. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Um... I, get, I get what you're saying. I drug it out. I'm sorry, but I wanted to make clear that. I think you're offended that I called him trite because, uh, yeah, I think you're offended that I called him trite, but I'm, I'm going to stick by it. I'm not going to pretend that I don't think he's trite. Again, trite to me is like uh, a cliche political slogan. And I guess you're saying, oh, it's cliche to say that uh, the, the human spirit fights on. Yeah, and, to and, say that the human spirit fights on and to say that history is written is by people st- yeah. and is just a story. We don't know. Sometimes we have to conjecture. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I want to talk about the the word, the demon, which is mm. uh, constantly used. That's Rosa and Shreve. Shreve adapts it from Rosa. To describe something. Kind of amusement, kind of awe. To the, yeah, Thomas Sutton. Um, the innocent demon, though. Um... And that's that's a that's a particular character. Um, there's an innocence to him because he, uh, yeah, his, his morality is kind of uh, unwise, unexperienced, un, un well, maybe not unexperienced. He's certainly experienced plenty. Um, unweathered, I guess. It's abstract. It's 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 like a recipe, like he says, or like they say. Uh, he's viewed morality like, you know, parts of a ingredients in a pie that you put into a, an oven. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something inhuman about it that it's just like some learned, almost like a, like a, yeah, just, 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 uh, just, just inhuman abstraction. Um, which is an in- interesting connection between him and, uh, the Methodist Coldfield. Um, whose morality is also something of an abstraction, an inhuman abstraction. Um, I think I think de- calling him a demon is a little bit of a simplification. That I can see why Rosa, who uh, hates him, <laughs> would call him that. Um, and to, for whom he was an ogre in her childhood and a demon for 43 years after, or whatever it was. Um yeah, I think I think we can give him a little bit more nuance. You talk about you talk about like ambivalence. I I I don't think he's he's a good character, but he's actually I I think I think the helpful comparison is between him and like Charles Ball, who Charles Ball is like almost post moral. He's beyond good and evil, like Clarence Brooks says. But he's like um, he has this kind of like almost almost like dandyish lassitude, moral lassitude, whereas. 
uh, Sutton, Thomas Sutton Sr., uh, or the, the senior, because there's no other Thomas Sutton. Um, interestingly, he didn't give his name to his son. Um, but yeah, Thomas Sutton, uh, it's kind of pre-moral. Um, he has this, like, I, I think maybe goes back to his, like, almost unparented childhood in the woods and then um, being taken to the, to the like, adjacent to some Virginia plantation. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, uh, he, he's almost like a pre-moral being who, like, with a lot of things, he just kind of, it's almost like, 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 like his morals are like his manners, that he's kind of mm. learned how to affect them and when to employ them and uh, how to, you know, walk around, how to doff his cat and, you know, um, how to bow and all of those things um, and when to do it. And just as Judge Ben Bow or, you know, all the, like, you know, more traditional Southern aristocrats of the town would do it, um, he knows how to do it, even though somebody like General Compton can still look at it and say that's, you know, he's underbred. Um, there's something very practiced. He obviously practiced that in front of a mirror. It's, his morality is also something like that. Um, he's innocent in the, yeah, he, he, he uh, is kind of like a tabula rasa almost as when it comes to morality. Yeah, that was, I felt, like, yeah. I felel like I was in a college class right then. Um, that was good. <laughs> okay. Very good. I was gonna say the innocence to me. I, I like what you said a lot, but uh, I th I thought of the childhood, which is what they kept calling him when it, when they kept calling him innocent. Mostly was when he was uh, mm -hmm. describing the childhood and uh, being up in the mountains and coming back, coming down to the uh, coastal area yeah. where the plantation was, living in a one room shack. And it's almost going like to another one, one room shack. It's almost like this kid kind of made a decision that he never questioned for the rest of his life. Uh, at a certain yeah. point in his childhood, he decided to become like the right. plantation owner. That's a very good point. That like at 14 or 15, he's not even sure his own age. Yeah. Um, he has like come up with a life plan that, uh, I don't know if we had committed ourselves to the things that we were dreaming of as 14 or 15 year olds, what we'd be doing. Yeah, um, what that would what that would mean. Uh, I was gonna also say the demon part. Right, to me, they kept referencing it in in kind of a sort of all knowing or all seeing type thing for him, where he knew what was gonna happen, or he knew uh, what people were gonna do, or uh, who they were, and so forth. So, mm. and I want to talk about Rosa more because I'm so I feel like I'm not. Yeah acquainted with her well even after reading the first chapter and so forth where it's like what in the i don't understand her obsession is so confusing in a way because it's like it didn't have to be that way at all in a way because it didn't affect her she was so young oh, i shouldn't say it didn't affect her to me yeah. she was so young when it happened when the uh she could have moved on she could have moved on she was i don't think she was even 20 right she was 19 so yeah she was 19 that was confusing in a way. Do you want to talk about that and her hate for him and what you think about the uh, the reason behind well, the hate and so forth? I mean, there's not a lot of other emotions she ever feels. We get she had this like another stunted childhood where, you know, she grew up listening at, at doors to other people having, you know, adult problems. Um, her parents were slightly too old for her and uh, I mean, remember her relationship to her own father. Um, 
is becomes one of hate. They say the 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 telling thing about about her, you know, being when she was like sixteen or seventeen or whatever she would have been when when she had to her her father got chased up into the attic and locked himself in and nailed the door shut. Um, and yeah, she had to like bring him up food by, by pulley that one of her, the first ode to the Confederate soldiers whom her father was, you know, morally opposed to cessation. And, um, yeah, it was hiding from, from the Confederacy, hiding from joining the Confederate war. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one of her first ode was at like two or three a.m. when she would have been coming in from wheeling him up his food. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of there, 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 there's not much gentle, not much uh, loving in in her experience of the world. Um, so I guess that, that that that's an original context. And then there's yeah, there's some kind of like she's very much a southern. She's very associated with the south. Um, not just like everything, how she looks and how she like still is that important telling detail about how like she had heard 60 years ago that if you keep it dark, it'll be cooler if like light attracts heat or like creates heat or something. Um, remember that. And yeah, so it's, there's something, something very fixed, very antiquated about her. Um, so yeah, that is associated with yeah the the CSA associated with 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 her her kind of gliding into this affection for the Confederacy and the Confederate soldiers that she would write odes to, um, but would also be uh, like uh, her like horror at somebody like Thomas Sutpen who's coming in and. Uh, coming into the, the 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 south and coming into 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 Mississippi from 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 elsewhere and just like adapting the kind of southern aristocratic code without having any kind of uh, yeah any kind of kind of humanity behind it um, or even just just adapting it just stealing it <laughs> um, I wonder if that like shows how thin it can be that like a guy can just learn how to bow <laughs> and it's like it's not really 300 years of of genteel upbringing that slowly created this tradition. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a shadow play. It can be this kind of theatrical thing, um, and then that he involves her in it, and uh, yeah, it involves her sexual her her sexual purity into it, and then. In such um, so was it an just animalistic way? Was it just a suggestion of, of that of frozen. of having a baby with her? Was that that was all it was, right? Yeah, it was a suggestion of procreating, not That's having it. sex or any kind of like making love or anything. Right. She's offended by the idea of after three months of not even talking about like you know any kind of anything about about their marriage. It's so nakedly. Um, transparent to what he's doing. It's okay. I, I've got my. I know that the government is going to let me keep my farm because uh, the North didn't actually do reconstruction as we should have done. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got my farm. Now I'm going to get me my son. Uh, it's yeah. It's it, it, it's bound to offend somebody who has more 
kind of tied into Southern codes of honor and gentility and aristocratic bearing. Yeah, but so they weren't really, I, I, I don't know, I guess, was she raised aristocratic in a way? He was obviously, well, her father so was she modest. Was poor, she was poor aristocrats. I, I guess poor, like, you know, respected. Like she respected uh, her name. She, she really mentions her name a lot. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, yeah. oh, he picked a Compson. Of course he yeah. picked a Compson. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's a really telling telling incident, too. But, yeah, um, Rose is like, yeah, we're definitely good, good enough for this. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is West Virginian. What are you talking about? Um, exactly. Okay. Well, that was good. And I, I would say I just it's it's baffling, but it I guess asking why maybe is undermining the uh, experience of reading about Miss Rosa. I was I was going to say why does she feel compelled to tell it to Quentin so mm. so much? But then again, like I said, then maybe we get, maybe that's well, a mean, mystery that can't be answered. Some of it's uh, you know, critical at the end of life, but I mean, some of it has to do with she wants him to go to the place because like I mean, it's it's not told in But, but he already knew the like story. A, but, he already knew the right, whole thing. Well, he knew some of the whole story. Yeah, for one thing, but he knew all that she was going to tell him. But I think, um, I think there's at least a little bit to be said for like, because uh, she needed somebody else to go with her to the house. I guess she could have gone with somebody else. I don't know. Um, I guess maybe she saw an easy mark in Quentin as somebody who is also has ambivalent but very strong feelings about Southern codes. Uh, although they'd only exchanged like a hundred words before then, I guess. Um, I was going to mention this is uh, offhand a little bit, but something like this. I was going to mention how I went to Cambridge when um, uh, Anthony got married, and right. it's weird to have been to a place you're reading about. That really, I don't know. I think it helped my uh, my reading of yeah the story being told like up kind there of in picturing Cambridge. the the particular red brick of the quad. Yeah. Uh, very, in, in very, <laughs> very southern to call snow like iron snow. It's like uh, I liked how he was at a place up there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like the feeling of him not belonging there when he was telling that story. Shreve right. kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was, it was like you said. It was weird choices about everything, really. Um, which yeah, is but a Shreve credit. Was a very good choice because he can't. He, he oughtn't to be a like a northerner. He yeah. can't be a, a fellow southerner. But um, also very, very Faulknerian, very Southern to assume that, like, there's a moment where Shreve says, oh, we don't have history where I'm from. <laughs> and it's like, of course you think that. You freaking, uh, yeah, the South imagines it's the only people who have ever lost the war or something. Um, they're so, 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 so butthurt about the Civil War. They're still, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, other people have history. <laughs> like a, an Albertian, I don't think would imagine himself a new man of the 20th century some some Nietzsche and last man who's entirely severed from 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 his history having read you know uh Robertson Davies and having read some 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 Canadian writers they definitely have a sense of you know even heritage going back to Scotland um to Robertson Davies um but yeah it's very southern to assume that no one else in North America has a history but you guys yeah Really, 
just because you had slaves. That's the only, you're the only one who had a history. You had tragedy, and, 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 and you lost the war. I mean, unlike the rest of America, who's never lost any war. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that, that was funny to me. But the shreve that he has is this, you know, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, historyless, kind of like a, you know, just like a, like a 20th century rational, lowercase l, liberal human who, uh, can hear this story and be like emotionally wrapped up in it, but doesn't feel the same, same tingles as, as Clinton does and can pretty easily flip back into like, uh, yeah, the kind of, the kind of badinage, the kind of, uh, back and, Oh, I lost you. Are you there? Oh. Uh, Sorry. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Canadian can, like, yeah, hear that story, and it only takes a couple yeah. minutes for him to react no, that's a good. That's a good point. I just think the way he wrote Shreve and the way he wrote the story, everything he, everything he wrote was introduced in a very odd way. I felt. It was like Shreve just comes out of nowhere. The first sentence mm-hmm. where he introduced Shreve, I wish I had that in front of me. I forget what chapter it was, but... Um, oh, here we go. There was snow yeah, on Shreve's overcoat sleeve, his ungloved blonde square hand, red and raw with cold vanishing. Then on the table before Quentin laying on the open textbook beneath the lamp, the white oblong of envelope. It's just very good writing, I felt like. Every choice he made about... Um, mm. Like you said, I guess, about the way he uh, 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 organized and and designed the, the book was uh, was impressive to yeah. me. Because it was odd. It was like, it just always, I was always like, what the hell? Who is Shreve? What's going on? You know, it just came out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I, I don't think you see anything coming no. from this book. Yeah, that's a good way to say it, yeah. Um, I wrote down choice as one of the resonant words, which right. I guess... Uh, he wants to think Thomas would like that it's a choice. It's just like one choice that he made, and he made a mistake. And he wants to like figure it out. He goes to yeah. General Compson to like figure out when did I make the weird. wrong specific choice? <laughs> Not that there's some chasm within him that should be there that isn't there. Um, no, that really was kind of that's like an insane yeah. person or something. Because you know what are you talking about? You didn't make yeah. the wrong choice. You made a lot of choices right like i don't get i didn't understand that i mean i, I yeah it you was like are... talking to sort of a savant or something because he he wasn't even mm-hmm. asking advice he was like talking in order to He's figure it out himself issue to get yeah exactly and then when charles bond kind of shows up and woos his daughter judith that is like the yeah, undoing of everything you know that's like the epitome of the destruction of everything, and he had a choice to whether to ignore it, kind of like to keep his uh, station in life, in in his mind, or to, I guess, defile what he had built up. Well, yeah, he had this. I I don't know if he had any. I mean, he had choices, I guess, in lowercase c choice. But at that point, um, well, that's what he's going to be a different voice person. Yeah, 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 no, I, um, I I agree with that, but but on two twenty we had we have this. Again. I think we have the same stuff. I wrote down two twenty when he's talking specifically about that yeah. to the grandfather. Okay, yeah, that's the same I have. I think. Yeah, and it's yeah. I don't know. It was just very. Uh, it was sad. I guess you know. It's like watching um, watching someone who put all their eggs in one basket. 
uh, in life lose that thing, like maybe your looks or your wealth or something like that. Um, he was just a broken guy, you know, who um, almost pathetic to listen yeah. to about this stuff because he wasn't coming at it with a humble heart to figure out anything. It was just like <laughs> listening. Yeah, that is not a word that I would. Yeah, listening uh, for a character who has a humble beginning. Yeah. Yeah, That's listening to a guy just kind of rave about, um, not rave, but but just go on about his failures almost to the one friend he had in the whole world because he didn't value Basically, anything except yeah. achieving this stupid mansion that got yeah, him. Yeah, his one passion. Nothing. His, his, yeah, his, his revenge on that plantation owner who yeah. wouldn't let him in the front door, even though he was white. Right. Yeah, one one theory I had, or one 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 suggestion I had for maybe why the book was going to be uh, challenging was all the the fact that it's all about race. I mean, we haven't really talked about it enough, I guess. If we were going to try to do like a full summary of the book, but I mean, the whole thing is. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's almost like talking about basketball during a basketball game. It's like if yeah, it's it's it, it's the whole it's the whole game. It's like telling a fish about water. It's like yeah, the, the whole story exists in, in 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 within the context of just like like entire like complete racism. Yeah. Um, and so even though Thomas Sutton is only ad- like adapting adopting these Southern aristocratic ideals. Um, the idea of his son having a drop of black blood is enough um, to, yeah, just ruin his whole idea of his his life, of his his life goal, his his, his accomplishment of, of of his passion, of his uh, ideal of what what he wanted to grow up to have. Uh, that is enough. One whatever one sixteenth of, of black blood was enough to ruin it for him. <laughs> Yeah, there was a yeah. There Maybe was like a, by his hair or something. I don't know. There were a ton of aspects how race played, and we only have a minute left until this stops recording. But yeah. even uh, Charles Bonds, the sort of rules about who were you were allowed to have a second wife with, and right, uh, everything about that was all about race. The left-handed marriage. Yeah, and Clyde, of course, who we didn't talk about. She was one of my favorite characters, Clyde, in, in the background. There's like a, a fierceness. Yeah, she doesn't have the same kind of. Uh, yeah, she, she had like, like a, an a identity level tragedy. She had yeah. an identity, you know, and a lot of yeah. the other the story made everything feel about Supton and other people like they didn't know themselves or anything. It was just sort of a lot of action, a lot of flurry, but they didn't have a center. Um, and Clyde did, and so did um, maybe a couple others. I don't know, maybe Judith. Well, yeah, we didn't talk much about Judith, but yeah, she also, uh, yeah, kind of a bigger character, <laughs> but not, not exactly an emphasis of the book. 